welcome to How to Win the Lottery Season 6, Delaware. Episode 1, Fight Club. The Delaware remains to be seen about Delaware. <laughs> Episode 1, Fight Club by Chuck Polinick. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I am Count Shredzula. Ooh, you are still here. Very, very exciting. Welcome back to the show. Two episodes in a row now, which is yeah, exciting. I'm, no, I'm here. This is... Sweet. Cool. Home. This is home. So before we talk about whether or not this book takes place in Delaware, uh-huh. I... Yeah, yeah. I looked up some Delaware facts. Okay. Because I wanted to do Delaware jokes. Yeah. And I looked okay. up Delaware jokes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And all the jokes were basically like, you know, the Polish jokes were just like, you could put in any ethnicity. It's like the same thing. It's just like, blah, blah, blah. So it's like, what's the difference between a a diploma from the University of Delaware and toilet paper, $50,000? Like, it's like, it's, yeah, but yeah, you plug yeah. it, it's whatever. Yeah. What do girls from Delaware wear behind their ears to attract men? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like what a Delaware where a new or what a Delaware in New Jersey, like those kind of things, like whatever. So I found actual facts. Okay. Steve Bird, Blue Hen. Yeah. Can I tell you what I know about Delaware? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Do you really, know the capital? Um Dover. Dover. Mm-hmm. The the only thing that I really know about Delaware is that it's a tax haven. Which is in theory comes into play for this for this novel. Yeah. And and Rehoboth Beach, right? Is is like a place that people vacation at sometimes. Maybe. Do you want to know all these or should I spread these out over these three episodes? I'll spread them out. Okay. We don't need to know all of them at once. I'm going to ask, do you want to know? I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick three because I have like nine things here. Just, yeah, just. State Bird, Blue Hen. Okay. During the Revolutionary War, the men of Captain Jonathan Caldwell's company recruited in Kent County, Delaware, took the, with them game chickens. They were said to be the brood of a famous Blue Hen noted for their fighting ability. And so when in battle, they fought so valiantly that they were compared to these Blue hands. So they, I guess, were like, you know. State motto, liberty and independence. But I want to show you, this is the most important thing. There's a picture. There's a photo element here. I love being shown things on a podcast. The state dinosaur. We, we, we have state dinosaurs? They do. The state dinosaur is the Drippasaurus. Okay. A Drippasaur a day, the Delaware State Dinosaur. So a bunch of kids like two years ago. Yeah. Uh, let me explain this. Let me explain this. To, so there's, it, it looks like a velociraptor mm-hmm. and it's wearing uh, like a, 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 a necklace that is a D that is encrusted with diamonds of some kind mm-hmm. and it's wearing basketball shoes and it has a, uh, I don't know what kind of hat that is, if that's a fedora or what. It's dripped out though. Yeah. Um, it's the kind of dinosaur that you would cross the street to get away from. It looks like it, it should be called Date Rapasaurus. This is on the official Delaware.gov website, though. Okay. Like, All it, right. like this is official. And the other thing I want to say, this might not continue, but the state beverage, milk. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Classic. Going with a... Made yeah. the official state beverage on June uh-huh. 3rd, 1983. Uh-huh. <laughs> June 3rd, 1983. Relatively recent yeah. development. Yeah, milk. Explain the, the why Fight Club takes place in Delaware, and then I will explain why I don't think that it does. Well, um, Fight Club takes place in Delaware. I think it's been retconned mm-hmm. to take place in Delaware because in the movie, mm-hmm. what they're doing is they're knocking down buildings that are credit card companies because mm-hmm. they want to eliminate the idea of credit so that we can level the the playing field for all Americans as though this stuff were not kept on a server somewhere backed up anywhere and and was just like records in the, in the building itself. I I can, can I say where I think you're going to say that it is? Sure. Uh, Washington. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because all of Chuck's stuff takes place. And he also mentioned SeaTac a bunch of times. He mentioned SeaTac a bunch of times, but there is a thing he mentions me, while I'm heading west to sleep at Mach 0.83 or 455 miles an hour, true airspeed, the FBI is bomb squatting my suitcase on a vacated runway back at Dulles. So he's flying from Dulles back home, flying west. I set my watch back three hours, was still after midnight. You do that when you go west as opposed to okay. east. I think it's just like geographically it takes place out there. But then in the afterward. Canonically, he mentions that well, the, the address for. Canonically, the, depending on the version of the thing you for have. For the Paper Street. Uh, Paper Street Soap Company. Soap Company. The, the canonical address is Delaware. Wilmington, Delaware. Yeah. I mean, I think the point of this novel is that it takes place everywhere, right? Like, it's just kind like, of. It's, it's a national thing. Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was reading and just like, oh, no. 
Like, not that it matters, because we're just reading books and we want to read books, but like... Yeah, no, it matters deeply. It's, it's funny that like, not only one of three books about Delaware, which I know was, a, a, as we talked about, a more difficult... It was, a, it was a tough, it was a tough one. But the first one we did is just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. not Delaware. Yeah, but that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It inhabits De- Delaware in spirit, because like, it is largely about lack of identity driven through isolation. And what could be more Delaware than that? Truly. Right. I got some other Delaware facts I'll save in terms of population and density and stuff like that. We'll save that for future episodes. Yeah, can you get... look up, like, you know, sometimes there's, like, a porn searches by state. Oh. Or, or like, a, a yep. favorite fast food restaurants by state. These are things that you can you can do this in, in another time to, for, to bring it into the next episode. You don't have to do this research now. Okay, that's fine. It's probably some, like, political shit, like AOC nude, because they're in, I don't know. That's DC. No, yeah, what are you talking about? I don't know. I think I misread it. Do you think Delaware is the capital of our nation? No. I don't know. Cause, no. Because your boy Biden was the, was a senator there for a long time. I, true story, mm-hmm. was on a first date recently. Yeah. And someone, the, the the lady that I was with, said something about like, like she dismissed Joe Biden. I was just like, you know, he's my uncle, right? She was just like, hold on, what? I was like, yeah, I was named after him. And she's she got like very like flustered and nervous. I was like, no, yeah, well, no. I don't know. Is it fun to deceive people like that for you? It, uh, it, 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 it was a calculated decision at that point in the date where I was just like, this is not going to be a second date. But it was it was you know it, it, it played out fine. But I was just like, yeah, Uncle Joe. Anyway, yeah. What's your history with this book and with Chuck in general? Uh, I think I told you earlier that the first Chuck Polanek book that I read was the book Choke, which my brother shoplifted from Barnes and Noble. Which rules? Yeah, it's cool. Um, and then after that I read probably in order, I probably read Fight Club and then Invisible Monsters and then Survive. But I've read, I read like maybe his first six or seven novels out of the gate and then I stopped because at some point it felt like. Diminishing returns. Yeah, there was not that much new. Well, I think like what's what was exciting about him. So I, I first saw I saw a friend of mine reading Invisible Monsters on a school bus in high school. And I was like, that's the coolest cover I've ever seen in a book. Like the face, like the upside down, like the crone. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not the that's not the version that I had. But it's got the pink like splatter mm-hmm. or whatever. And I was like, that's super cool. And so she let me borrow it. And I read it. And I read from there. And I think what was exciting to me about him was that he was writing about things that like were wildly different than what we were reading in school. And that sure. like what. I had been reading even for fun, like as I was in high school, like starting to read like more adult stuff or whatever, it felt new and edgy and exciting and stuff. Well, because I think the stuff that you read in high school, unless you're talking about like Catcher in the Rye, but even that, because that's from a different time. Um, like generally the stuff that you read, like the people in those books don't talk like you. Right. They don't have the same problems as you. Uh, and this they, was like written in like 96. Like this is contemporary. Yeah. It's really like, you know. It's, it's, uh, I think also like we can talk about this a little, a little more later, but like the, the 1996 up until nine 11, um, there is this sort of free floating misery that like, there's no real target for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've seen this emerge in, in like how angry the music was yes. at the time we've talked about this before. But it has, like, you know, he, he said, I, Tyler, at some point in this book says, like, our generation has no great war. It has no, like, our, our war is a war of the spirit. Yep. And, like, that's that's really true because, like, men who are coming of age, uh, uh, and I, I say men because this is a book that's largely about masculinity. Um, men who are coming of age in, in, that, not, in, in that part of, um, you know, the very end of the 20th century, uh, their dads had fought in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Um, they, the, the people who were slightly older than them had the, like, you know, wall street stuff and all, and, and like the, the various insanities Mm -hmm. of of the eighties. Um, and the nineties, like people were really getting worked up about, um, like Monica Lewinsky and stuff like that, which, which is like not the same kind of thing to get worked up about. Well, it's like, it's like now we have actual shit and like people are getting worked up about like nonsense. I mean, no, we, we had actual, we had actual shit back then, but it it was like, it was not, um, there was no media focal point to it. So, so you didn't have like access to it in the same way. So what I think, so when the movie comes out three years after the book comes out and we've covered on another show that I do, uh, how to, uh, 
geez, that's this is how to win the lottery. Yeah. But I do on 1999 the podcast. And like one thing that we've covered multiple times on there is again, pre 9-11, people were creating and like the movies were capturing the spirit of America, where it was like people are creating battles to fight, where it's like middle-aged white dudes just like I'm just bored, right? And like, so like Fight Club and Office Space and American Beauty and like all these movies were like, these people have money and success and whatever. They're just like, I don't want to do it anymore. But it's also, it's also, and you see this in, in, um, in this book a lot. Cause like, uh, again, like broken record, a primary reading of this book is a Marxist reading. Like this mm. book is largely about, um, number one, uh, uh, alienation from labor, which, yep. which keeps you, um, from feeling like you're a human being because mm-hmm. right? labor is a primal drive. And, yep. then, and then when, when you're doing something and being dehumanized for doing it, uh, life tends to drift apart from meaning sure. and, and you feel like a, a drone or, or a shell or something that is like not, um, not fulfilling, but you, and then you try to fill that hole with, uh, uh, conspicuous consumption. So mm-hmm. things that, that, your job has earned for your, you earn money through your job and then you use that money to try to uh, alleviate the alienation that your job has caused and you alleviate that alienation through buying stuff so that right. people can see that you're a certain type of person that you can then advertise. We obviously still do this, but now our conspicuous consumption is um, – I, I think it has pivoted into what a lot of people call virtue signaling and things like that. Mm. Now, now, like that version of ourselves is like the the Trump flag on the mm-hmm. uh, out front because that's not something that ever really happened before. You, you, didn't, right. you didn't have this like almost psychotic. Um, and this is I'm not even I'm not even like this is not like even a Trump thing that I'm talking like I'm not this like. Um, identification with one person because you saw you saw with bernie too right like this like pure identification i'm not associating bernie with whatever fuck you stop like trying to do that with i didn't say it. not you not you i i I was talking to the person that had my voice in their ear right now was trying to make like me into making a political you scare these people off already don't worry about um like the but but like the you know people now are identifying through uh, politics in a way that they yes. didn't in the nineties so right. much, except for older people who identified through really, really, really hating Bill Clinton, um, or really, really, really hating Monica Lewinsky. Right. This is the, that's like a, um, but you have, you have people like the narrator in this who like he's identifying through, through the Ikea catalog. He's identifying through having the perfect car for him, you know? And I think, so what I think the movie adaptation, we, we just did the whole unadaptable module, and I think that this is one of the best book to film adaptations that's maybe ever been done. Cause I think it's, I think it captures a lot of it. And I think it does certain things maybe even better than the book. I think they fucked up majorly twice. What are those two things? Number one in the movie, one of the most cinematic parts of the entire book is not in the movie, which is when he goes and he signs up to fight every single person. Yeah. Like that is so good. And yeah. that would be so good visually. Yep. And it's so like in line with this idea of self-destruction mm-hmm. that like it just thematically nails everything. Yep. Number two, uh, the ending of the book is a lot better than the ending of the Where just nothing happens? Like the buildings do not collapse. Well, where he's he's at the end in, in the mental hospital. Oh, and, and, also that. And, and the people are coming up to him and saying like, sir, like they're like yeah, yeah, in yeah. the mental hospital, they're calling him sir. And so – Right. Um, I, so I think I want to, I need to figure, I need to figure out how to frame my thoughts. So I think the adaptation is very, very good. Mm-hmm. I think the movie pivots away. Cause I think the, the book basically gets to a point where like Tyler, the other, like the fake Tyler is not around. What is fight club about by the way? What is fight club about? Yeah. People don't know if they're 15 minutes in this episode and they haven't um, read the book or seen the movie, even though I feel like, most people it's about have. a guy who punches himself in the face in a parking lot and people think that's so fucking awesome that they start a cult over it yeah okay fair enough um is that a fair description of like that that's that's like truly the uh that is that the is a leap, leap of faith leap, that you yes, have to make correct that like someone physically attacking himself in a parking correct. lot would draw enough interest and people being like, this guy is cool. We're going to follow instead right. of the people walking away from it. It's, it's, it that, that's a huge ask. And that is because um, I think once that happens yeah. and once people are fighting each other, 
then I see it growing from there. But that first group, I still don't. You, you only you only get away with it because you don't know what the twist is, right? If you although, knew, if you knew what he was doing there, you would just be like, "What?" and you would just close the book. And although it is like when you know the twist, he is so over every page, so many times, every single page. It's amazing, yeah. Which I think is why it works. I, I think so too, but it's it's also impossible for me to. Did, did, when you read this the first time, did you? I had seen the movie already. When you saw the movie, did you pick up on? Did you know, did you pick up on the twist? No, I don't. Okay, I, not, not until not until it's revealed at the end. Okay. Although now I would because now like this twist done now is the corniest thing in the yes, world. Yes, correct. Like like the whole like it's 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 basically a can do. It was all a dream. Yep. Now. Um, which this was all a dream, but it's a weird kind of, yeah, not, not like that. I know, I know, I know what you mean, but, but like the whole, like, um, uh, split personality twist Correct. at, at this point is just like, bro, like yep. you, you could not get away with this now. And to be fair to Chuck Palahniuk, that's not a criticism of him. The reason you couldn't get away with it now is because Fight Club did it. And, and because people and, tried and to copy it him. It became so yes. like, so I think in the adaptation, so in, in the, in the novel, in what we're talking about today, I think the anti-capitalist anti-consumerism angle and the like what like the real purpose behind what they're doing is more clear mm-hmm. and i think because we've talked we talked about on the 1999 episode and i think there's a lot of there's been a lot of people talk about like people learning the wrong lesson from the movie oh, yeah yeah for and sure. like thinking like this is cool and we should do this where in the book i think it's more it's not like hey we should like fight each other like that's cool it's like no like the world is not fair and we, somebody like we should do something about that. Yeah. There's a much more, um, again, like the crisis of masculinity is a crisis of capitalism. Mm-hmm. Like these are, these are men who are unfulfilled because of, of consumer reasons. Yep. And, and like there is stuff in, in, in the book that reflects that idea that could give you the wrong idea. Like, Oh, it's like, you know, uh, a group of men raised by women. Mm-hmm. And things like that, which is like, that's a very like uh Fox newsy talking point, right. I think. But at the same time, I don't, I don't think that's what Chuck Palahniuk means by it. No, I think if more people had read the book, I think they would have gotten the, the correct lesson if you want to take a lesson from this or whatever. But I also think if you straight up adapt the book in the way that the movie kind of like you're saying the, the cinematic fighting 50 guys in a row is not in the movie, because I think if you just follow the book. Brad Pitt, the Brad Pitt character is not like for like 45 minutes toward the end. Like he just goes away. And I think they're like, well, we can't. Right. Like you, you, he has to go away somewhat, but like he's always kind of there. Right. And this is, and, and the movie largely is functional because of Brad Pitt's charisma. Yes. Like he's, this was the movie that arguably made him into the star. I mean, he was like, you know, 12 monkeys, seven, et cetera, but he was not like cool. Right. The, it was around this time, and this is going to put me in a very firm, cool guy in high school, but like, yeah. I was like, my three favorite actors are all in the same movies with each other. It's Edward Norton, it's Brad Pitt, and yeah. it's Matt Damon. It's uh-huh. this movie. Oh, Matt Damon. That's a that's a painful favorite actor to have when you're a kid. It's this movie, Ocean's Eleven, yeah, sure. and Rounders. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And like two of the three are in each of those. Hey, they not all Good like, Will Hunting. I thought that as a, as a math dweeb, you'd be a Good Will Hunting hey, guy. Hey, man. Watch it. Um... <laughs> No, but I, I think, like, I was just like, oh, no, like, this, but, yeah, if there's something, like, Brad Pitt is so good in this movie. Yeah, it's, it's like the role that he was born to play. Plus, he's got those abs, man. Like, it's hard to, like, th- th- that iconic thing of him with the, like, fucked up eye, mm-hmm. and he's just, like, covered in sweat, and then he's just, yep. like, he's so, like, just washboard. As, like, Marla falls off the bed behind him. Like, there's, one of my favorite comedians, Greg Barrett, for, like, years after, would, like, would still refer to, like, that shot as, like, like the pinnacle of, like, ripped, just, like, the Brad Pitt yeah, yeah, and yeah, Fight yeah, Club yeah. ripped, just, yeah. like, that's... Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that, like, maybe it's because I'm so familiar with the movie, but it's hard to think of anybody else in those three lead roles. Yeah. Like, I think the the Bob doesn't Steve have to be... Steve Buscemi is Tyler Durden. Like, I don't know that Meatloaf necessarily, but, like, the in terms of the cat, like, when we do fantasy casting, it's just, like, it's hard to picture now yeah, yeah. any of those three as anybody else. Right. Mm-hmm. I also love, and I think it's a, it's a testament to both the novel and the adaptation of how many lines, like memorable, iconic lines that like dumb boys quote are just well, from this. Well, like, like here's here's what I, I I feel like maybe I dissed Chuck Palahniuk in the beginning, and I don't I don't mean to because Chuck Palahniuk like is a wildly compelling stylistic writer. 
you can sit down and read this book all in one sitting yes. because it has a real engine to it and because it's broken up into like individual sentences that are repeatable. They are like bumper sticker worthy. They're, they're, um, you know, it's, it's an immensely quotable book and he is like, he is lifting Amy Hempel's style. Um, but he's also very open to, about to, how yeah, much to, he loves to, Amy to his credit. And, and I'm 100% certain that because of Chuck Palahniuk, a million more people have read Amy Hempel. I read Amy because I he he put out a list of like here's my eight favorite authors and I tried like two and I'm just like and I'm like I'm gonna try one more and it was Amy Hempel. I'm like yeah she's, this is maybe the best writer I've ever read. Yeah, she's one of the best. Short, Unbelievable. Cer- certainly like the best American writers of short stories. And I never really did creative writing much in mm-hmm. school like I did for whatever, but like I was more into the journalism thing. But like when I was reading him and then reading her, I was like. You felt like you could do it. You were, no, well, you were like, like, let me. It wasn't like I felt like I could do it. Like part of it is that, but also just like, I remember people writing pages and pages and yeah. pages and be like, you can tell a story on a page. Like you can, yeah, you can, yeah, yeah, you yeah. can so succinctly tell a complete story. Yeah. Cause like some of her stuff is like a uh-huh. single page. Uh-huh. Like this is because they also, in the, in the afterward, he's like, Fight Club was a seven page short story. Cause yeah. my writing teacher is just like, that's the right story. That's the right length. Right. And like it became a chapter in this, but it's like, that's all you and need. It's, it's also, it's, it's language heavy and not plot heavy. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, you're like, waiting for that next turn of phrase and you're not waiting for what happens next in the book. Right. You, and, and he like, one of the reasons why it's so successful is because it's so repetitious mm-hmm. in, in like the specific words that it uses, but also like it is sticking to the message in almost a political way. Uh, the the same way that like a politician will get up there and do a stump speech. Right. And, and then he goes from town to town doing that same thing. Like, on a page to page basis, you might get like an alteration of words, but you're still, you're getting the the message on every page that like in, 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 the, in this case about the, you know, spiritual crisis of these men. But I think that's also what you, what you were saying before about like Chuck, like the diminishing returns, like he so heavily leaned into yeah. that technique, I guess. Well, it's also, it's also, it's also not his fault that like Nirvana, he launched a thousand shitty writers. Right. But, like, I also think that there's a certain point where, like, don't do that. Don't, like, keep cribbing your own thing. Yeah. I mean, I think I think this is actually, I you know, it, it made me want to reread his other books because there was some stuff in here where I was like, oh, this is actually, like, really sloppy. This is not, well, like. This is his first novel, right? Yeah, yeah. So, th- th- yeah. This is not as tightly, like, constructed or, or like, there are parts where it's, like, when Tyler's, like, oh, it's, this is not as bad as it can get. You could have a recluse spider that bites mm-hmm. you and puts and it's like I, i'm not really sure what that information does right. for the book at all except for that you learned a fact while reading something and then like put that fact right. as dialogue and something and so much of like this book is like you know he's just got like a flamethrower that's just like spraying information everywhere mm-hmm. and like the the reason one of the reasons why it's so successful is that and again not blaming Chuck for this, but these facts, these things that these like minute little uh, uh, blurbs of facts are like exactly the sort of mansplainy shit that people enjoy. Mm-hmm. Like they enjoy absorbing these facts so that they can go out and be like, repeat them later to someone you else. I know how to make dynamite. You want to know how to make dynamite? Yeah. Ex- yeah. yeah. Or, or even like not, not, not even that, like, um, you know, just stuff about like uh I don't know, like about the spider or about, or yeah. about any, any number of the things that are in the book, but are like maybe not 100% necessary. Well, cause I also think having just read infinite jest, it's yeah. like it almost, there almost couldn't be a better follow-up to that than this, where it's just like, not that you don't have to think, but you just get through it. Well, they're also like interestingly kind of, I mean, you pointed this out when, when we were yes. talking about it. They're like kind of linked in that it's like sort of about like groups coming together yeah. and, and providing uh, like an uplifting circumstance. Well, also, I mean, they're literally support groups in both. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then like the actual Fight Club as being a support group is a, another thing altogether. There was another book and I don't remember, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to remember what it was, but there was another thing that I, oh, Give me time and I will figure it. But there's another one where I, where I was like, this is just like another, maybe it was like the instructions. Oh yeah, the it penny was. Gun. The pen is it the making making the penny gun? It's not. Kinda... It's not that as much as like when he when he writes the instructions and gives the instructions. He's like, 
the number one thing is don't get this out. Don't, yeah, yeah, don't yeah. share it with anybody. Yeah. And like people keep showing up and it's like, mm-hmm. here, like don't talk about fight club and people keep showing up. It's the same kind of like, yeah, maybe, you know what you're doing, like you're getting it out there, but like the number one rule is don't tell people about it. Yeah. It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Levin like was a Chuck Bonnick fan to a certain degree. Probably is. At least. I think a lot of people, I think even if you don't like love his stuff, I think like he's, I think he's undeniably important well he was also he was also a guy that for like guys roughly our age yep. I'm, I'm five years older than you but like w- within that like decade like is a guy that like if you were into reading you kind of couldn't avoid you picked up a couple of his books and maybe they were for you maybe they weren't but like you definitely like you know he absorbed into into pop culture in a way that very little actual literature does right um i think i i said in the in our text thread earlier I think this is the book that the most people that I know have like read. I think it's an easy sell. I think yeah. it's it's good, especially as a movie. And you, 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 yes, you can correct. just go like, ah, oh, you like the movie? I yeah, read read this yeah. book. Um, it's also it's short. Yeah. There is a line that I don't think is in the movie mm-hmm. that is very on brand for us. Uh-huh. Did you catch it? Uh, give it to me. Marla says you can, you can suck, suck shit. <laughs> It's like very near the end. When what she's, was you know you know what was really weird was all the human butt wipe stuff. I was just like, what is this? That is weird. Like, is this like some Pacific Northwest thing I, that people I, say? I do like because you know there's, there's stuff like that and also like the brown recluse where like I don't know if it was Finch or whoever like adapted the screenplay just like yeah we don't need any of this like yeah, we yeah. can like they they yeah. smartly just kind of you know turn left on certain things but yeah, yeah. Jim Jim Oles wrote the screenplay okay. UHLS is yeah, that he's yeah, okay. a good writer. I don't know what else he wrote though beside that. Can't look it up. Um but it's funny if you watch the um I remember like when I watched the like when the DVD came out it was like the golden age of director commentary mm-hmm. and things like that and they had a commentary that was Chuck and Jim Oles um both like yeah. And and Chuck would like be together? like together? Yeah, yeah. That's cool. And and Chuck would be like, "Did I write that line? Do you remember?" And then he'd be like, "Oh no." Like I remember specifically Jim Oles wrote the line like uh the fuck Martha Stewart, that line. Mm-hmm. Um, is the line, you're not your fucking khaki, is that in the khakis line, is that in the book or is that not? Like, I, don't, I don't think it is. I don't think it is either. And like, that's like, th- not the line, but like one of the lines from the movie. Yeah. Um, well, the, you know, like the sentiment is certainly in the book. And the you're not the special and unique snowflake thing yes. is, is in here too. Yes, correct. Like that's um, interesting change. Not sure why it changed, but I agree with it. Um, he's, uh, uh, all of the I am Joe's. Yeah inflamed pancreas like they changed it to jack Joe's in the Gil, movie. Gag, gag, reflex, gag reflex yeah and this is it's for the same reason like the national geographic uh-huh. like yeah yeah reader digest reader, yeah. reader digest yeah i don't know i don't know why either but like jack is better jack is better i'm not sure why but it is well jack and jill like it's just i think it's a more yeah 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 you know yeah um yeah what, no what do you think of the narrator not ever being named i think it's I mean, it's thematically on brand because he never tells her the real name. And like the fake name he tells her is Tyler, which is, I guess, like, it's weird that that's the name that catches on. Like, you almost wonder if like Marla told people about him. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's you know, because if he's giving a different name in every meeting, the one that she knows him as is Tyler. But then why does everybody else know him as Tyler? Like, it, it almost feels like there should be a scene where she's like, that's not Tyler. That's John or whatever. But yeah, no, I think because he introduced himself to her as Tyler right. when he like, you know. But why is he introducing himself to like all these other cool bros in the parking lot, like watching him beat himself up? Like, why is he Tyler to them? I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. I th- again, I think that's something that's like. That doesn't matter as much to me as the what you said before the legal logic, which is like, is this really a cool thing that you're doing? Yeah, you buy it because you're you're. 170 pages in by the time the twist gets here and you're not thinking about that initial fight in the parking lot. I'm, all, I'm also always curious in whether it's a movie or a book, like at what point the twist comes. And this is like 70, 75%, which feels right. Like yeah, it feels yeah, like there's yeah. enough time that like it builds up to a point where like you understand like where it's coming and there's enough time to like explain it mm-hmm. as opposed to like, I remember still the number 23 where it like comes with like the Jim Carrey movie. Yeah. It comes with like 10 or 15 minutes left. And then the next 10 minutes is like explaining all the things you miss. It's like, no, this is bad. Like, what never, are we doing? I, I never saw it, but I remember being lousy. Yeah. Um, it's a numerology movie. Yeah. Numerology is the most boring, like kind of conspiracy theory that you can possibly yeah. have. Take that Taylor Swift. Hey, <laughs> you watch it. It's not her. It's the fans, right? Um, 
Yeah, I think, I mean, she likes 13 because, like, she was born on the 13th, and the people were just yeah, like... Yeah, we're, no, we're not getting into it. <laughs> halt! Halt! Abort! Um, what else about the book? Because I think... Oh, they I, changed the line in the in the movie from the book. What? Uh, from, uh, I want to have your abortion, too. I haven't been fucked fuck like that since grade third, school. Yeah. Which, they're both good. Yeah. Man. Um, I met Chuck. I told you this, I think, right? I, I When I, maybe, did I tell this on the... I don't remember. Go ahead. We go. recorded that intro episode a while ago, yeah, so yeah. if we had just, whatever, I'm sorry. But when Tell All came out, my friend and I bought tickets to see a reading in New York, and because we were, we were two of the first hundred people, we got to meet him and have a book signed. Like, we got a sign, everybody got, like, a signed copy, but also you could bring another book and you could sign it, so we met him, and we had to ask a question, and I asked if you, because of his morbid nature, I was like, if you could choose the way you died, what would you choose? And he said he would like to choke on the warm, still beating heart of Ann Coulter. And I was like, that's pretty good with, <laughs> with, with no hesitation. So like he probably had gotten that question before, but even if he had, like, it was just like, he had the answer ready. It was just like, it's pretty good. Okay. Yeah. Let's but he was nice. I mean, that, that book is whatever. I don't really remember much about it. I haven't but. read it. I don't, that, that's one of the later ones. I stopped at, um, did you read Haunted, the short stories? No, uh, I read, I think Pygmy was the last one that I read. That was after Haunted. Yeah, but um, you didn't read everything. And then I read Snuff. Yeah. Well, you there was there's also a Fight Club two and a Fight Club right. three. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about and 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 especially because um, the next module I thought about Fight Club two, but then mm-hmm. I was like, I don't really want to do that book. I remember I read it and I was like, this is fine. Chuck Palahniuk himself is a character in there. There's also Fight Club three, which is also a graphic novel that. I have not read yet. I think yeah. I bought because it was like there was like cheap, like they, they collected it and they sold it inexpensively on Kindle and I bought that. But I haven't read it yet, but I'm just like, I think one thing that's actually better in the book than in the movie is the way they blackmail multiple bosses. Yeah. Because in the movie, he just like beats himself up and like walks out with a bunch of computer equipment that they don't really need. Uh-huh. But here, like, I'm going to threaten to tell everyone that I pissed in the soup or like that, you know, they distributed like this global national, whatever distribution of children's films with pornography in it. Like it feels like, yeah, that would be, there's no way to sort of, and then he presents that stuff in the afterward as being true that he knows people that did that. Right. Which, you know, cool. Yeah. I mean, they don't have projectors projectors like that anymore. Really? Unless you're on like the new Beverly. Right. But they're all those like probably what's being shown at the New Beverly is like from Tarantino's personal collection. Like he has like control over. Yeah. Or yeah. yeah. I think it's interesting in the book. I, I totally forgot that like he meets Tyler not in an airplane, but at a new uh-huh. beach. Yeah. Which is. With the, with the um, thematically he creates a, uh, a sculpture out of logs mm-hmm. that looks like a hand for a minute. And he sits in the palm and you get a, a, a truly like one of the book's motifs about perfection and how like all you can ever hope for is a second of perfection. Um, and then that is abandoned in the movie entirely. Like, I think the movie is better in ways, but there's stuff about the book. I'm like, man, I wish I was in there. Like it's cause it's good. It's, it's yeah. But also I understand like, cause also for a 200 ish page book to become a two and a half hour, like there's not, the movie's kind of long. I haven't watched the movie in a, in a decade. Probably it's still really good. Yeah. Maybe I'll go back and watch it. Have you ever been in a fight? Yeah. Like a fist fight? Yeah. Have you won? Sure. Do you like it? No, it's not good. I haven't, I, not as an adult. I haven't been in a, in a, I think the last time I hit someone, I was like 20, maybe. So around the time you read this book? No, you read the book way before that. Yeah, before that, I think. Have you? No. And I don't want to. I think that's also yeah, the thing no, where like. I, that's the thing. I don't. Well, you know what it although, is. Although the book is just like people want to be in a fight. So so yeah. Also, here's here's a, a secondary reading of this. Um, I, I, I think what a lot of people miss when they they read this book. And this is not also. This is not remotely commentary on Chuck Palahniuk himself being gay. Uh, it was unknown that Chuck was gay when this book came out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, it was known by Chuck, but it was it was unknown to to the to world the readers, to yeah. the world at large. And like similarly to uh, the Matrix, right, which is obviously like a film yes. made by two trans women. Um, Before they transitioned, yeah. A, a lot mm-hmm. of the messaging of of the book, 
I think can be read in the context of of homoeroticism. Yeah. And Chuck doesn't Chuck doesn't have to be gay for that to be the case. I, I a, a hetero man could write this book, and that would still be true of the book. Yep. Um, because I think that there is this sense of, uh, you know, men fighting, um, sort of in in the exclusion of women, um, dealing with. Uh, purely the, the the like the release that sensual not even pleasure but sens like sensuality gives you yeah right the the sensory perception of pain um and how that pain and the bonding after that pain can create stronger relationships right this is the S&M community has known this for mm -hmm. centuries, mm -hmm. right? So this book, to me, like, can very easily be read as, like, a homoerotic S&M novel. Well, there's also, like, literally a line where they're talking about, like, there were, you mentioned before, we're a generation of men raised by women. Uh -huh. Is another woman the answer? And, yeah, like, right, I, right, right, I, yeah. I, that's, like, I know that's the mm -hmm. point about, like, we don't need to be, like, in a relationship, whatever, but it's just, like, maybe it's a dude, Right. Like it's like that's not what he's saying, but like you could read it like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and and I think that like that is that's not a reading that I would have had on this book when I was seventeen. Right. Which is like I think probably mostly the people who read this book are seventeen or were mm -hmm. when it first came out. Do you think people are still like? Like, so why are it? people like like for the first time now? Yeah, I don't. That, that, I I don't know because like Fight Club. As a cultural phenomenon has passed, because that, that's what's because because I think the book is, or the movie and the book are both like still good, still objectively yeah, good, yeah. still hold up. And I think to us, like I think it's also, um, and it's it's a question that somebody I follow on Instagram posed about the modern day equivalent. But it's like for when we were in college, like say from the time the movie comes out to like when I graduate, like ten or eleven years later or whatever this poster on the wall is like one of like yeah. five or 10 posters. It's like, this is like the type of guy you are. And like, it's not like, it's just like kind of just guy, like it's not even specific, to just like guy. But now if you have a fight club poster up, it's like, as well, like an 18 year old or whatever. Like that's a, that's, that's think, a choice as I, opposed to like yeah. fitting in. I think it, there's a real Andrew Tate, Mike Cernovich. Well, yeah, now like, yeah. cause those guys are like, or, or um, what's his name? Gavin uh, McInnes. Um, like those guys are their own kind of like masculinity cult leaders mm -hmm. who I think could look at a book like this and um, dismiss a lot of the the homoeroticism and dismiss the the like frankly to me blatant Marxist messaging yes. within it and and sort of like look at it as like the solution to male loneliness which is like something that is now. I mean, I could see this book once again rising in the in the becoming much more popular. Well, I think it has in the last several years be, be, because of like what people are thinking of as a crisis of male yes. loneliness and things like that. And they're looking to this book and thinking like, you should learn how to fight. Mm -hmm. You should uh, become the master of your own destiny. You know, you're, the the bonds that you make with men are are more important than the bonds that you make with women. Yep. And because they'll be able to understand you better. And the women in your lives are like literally just there for you to have sex to, with, and, and and to mother you, yep. and to like provide all all these things. Now, I don't know. I I honestly like um. Uh, all of that, all that information that I have about Cernovich and Andrew Tate and those guys is like secondhand. I don't. I so so I don't know if I'm accurately, um clocking their audience or, or, or no i think or you are. are i think you are and i also think that like i think a lot of their readings of this come from the movie not the book yeah yeah and i think the book is more explicit because like in the movie like there's the there's the memorable line in the movie where it's like you know a guy shows at the fight club he's like putty or whatever and like after six months he's carved out of wood right and like you're like oh i want that but like the book is basically like you don't have to fight, like just find something that like you care about. And like, that's your reason for like taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think the, like the movie does that too, but I think the book is more explicit. And like, this is just the thing that people, these people have found their community. And because of that, they want to like clip their nails and get their hair cut and whatever. But in the movie, just like, bro, if you fight, <laughs> if you fight, you're going to get shredded. Yeah. Shit rocks. It's so good. 
I like in the book the assault committee, which is not in the movie at all. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of like a subcommittee of Project Mayhem. Well, I, I also say that the the book is, I think, significantly more violent than the movie. Yeah. There's like more like actual murder and more like mm-hmm. it's the book is scarier than the film is. You get the sense that it, this is like I think has, it's, it's got a good it's broader scope. I think uh-huh. yeah, it's consumed almost everything. Because like in the movie, they like they set fires to like seemingly empty buildings. They roll that big ball through like times like whatever. But this is just like these people are going out and like killing people, mm-hmm. which probably also happened in the movie. They're just not. I don't know. Yeah. What do you th- what do you think the narrator this is before the TV show wanted to get a dog and naming an entourage? Yeah, no, that's very funny. That's that's really, really funny. Have your have your entourage follow you around? Yeah, that's that's a good joke. I think that's also it. Like Chuck Bolanok is really funny. Like yeah. he's he's yes. like very clever and and uh yeah, it's a sh- it's a shame that people uh, I think misunderstand, especially this book. Well, I also think like that's also going back to what I liked about other things that like Invisible Monsters and stuff. Like when I read that first, like I don't know if I fully grasped or realized, and this is like me just being dumb because I think it's pretty overt. Like that's a trans story, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's yeah. it's not hiding the fact. No, although I mean, I guess, I guess it's kind of sort of a reveal toward the end or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like it's very clear what it is, but I think it's, it's not only writing in a way that it's new to people, but it's like telling the kind of stories that other people aren't telling. Yeah. And I think if he was maybe more overt about it being a, this is being a homoerotic, whatever, as opposed to just like, you can read into that. I don't know, but it's yeah. there. I wonder like overt anything. I, I don't guess, know. I guess it'd yeah. kind of be a hat on a hat, right? Like, yeah, cause, yeah, yeah, cause yeah, yeah, here yeah. it's, yeah. I think it's there. I mean, I think it's overt enough. It's yeah. just that like, I think especially in the night, probably more now that we are a culture where like, at least the arts have, you know, like if you go on the criterion channel, it'll be like LGBTQ month mm-hmm. and like embracing diverse yep. stories. Yep. And, and there's like th- these things like, Maybe you would have to be more subtle about it now, but like in the nineties, you could be, I think as overt as you wanted to be with a homoerotic story and people who didn't want to see that part of it would just, just could go pretend like, it just didn't skate exist. right yep. past mm-hmm. it without having to look twice because it's like, you know, why would that be? I'm enjoying this. What are you saying? Are you saying that I'm gay? Because I enjoy this. Right. Now, I, I, like, I love this book, and now you're telling me that this book is homoerotic. Right. Are you saying that I'm gay? And it's like, yeah, dude, you're gay. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> what if I told you that the author of your favorite book is gay? What do you think then? Oh, no. Like, Well, I think it's interesting because I think that those – they've leapfrogged that information entirely with yeah. The Matrix. Well, that's right? the it's, thing. It, it's yes. like not even – like like in, in a very way – in very much the way that like – that I've spoken of positively in the past that once an author leaves a book out there, it is now the audiences and not the Mm -hmm. authors. Like I think they've embraced that in a way that is true to them. Like they're like, it doesn't matter who, what what they intended. Like this is what this book means. This is what this movie means politically. And this is how I'm going to internalize it and make it my own. It's so weird. And like, we talked about this because again, the matrix is also 1999. Mm -hmm. And like, it seems these two movies that have become, weapons to a certain community not even just like the right because like it's whatever like a, a subset of the right where it's like both of these are like you mentioned explicitly yeah progressive movies mm-hmm. or progressive stories and they're just like nah but like have you been red pilled <laughs> like, no what are you talking about yeah but bro i want you to hit me as hard as you can do you have a favorite Chuck book? Did we talk, did we talk about, did you mention that I, on I, here? I, I like Choke. Choke is good. But um, at the same, I, I think like Choke and Survivor. Um, and it's also like, I, I actually think that like the, um, like the, the cult of, which is funny because like, I think his website is the cult, right? There's like, well, it's not his website, but it's it's the official fan site, which is like basically yeah. his internet presence, but he has nothing to do with it. Um, But I think like the cult of Chuck Palahniuk. Mm-hmm. Uh, hit a roadblock because you have you have Fight Club, which was not successful at first, but then became massively successful with DVDs and stuff like that. And then Survivor was going to be the next thing. And then 9-11 happened mm. and the Survivor movie never got made. But had like the Survivor movie gotten made right on the heels yep. of Fight Club, 
I think you would you would have seen like a, a much more stratospheric Stephen King style ascension of Chuck Palahniuk, especially into like um, that like cult filmic world. Because then Clark Gregg, this is still so weird to me, wrote and directed yeah, yeah, yeah. Choke, which is fine. Yeah, it's not a great movie. It misses a lot of the point of it, uh-huh. but it still feels weird that like he did that. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people like I think that's a, it's a you go from David Fincher to Clark Gregg. It's a. Right. But also, like, I think in terms of, like, people know him for this. Like, I think if you ask a lot of people who, like, this is their favorite movie or one of their favorite movies or their favorite book, like, I would I would not be surprised if a lot of them could not name a second book he's written. Because I think, like, the, there's, yeah, su- there's probably is, you a know, fine. precipitous. No, I'm, I'm not saying it's a negative. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, like, I don't know that people who have even read Choke know that Choke's a movie because it, it was so under the radar. Mm-hmm. And, like, I remember seeing it, like, after I read it. I'm like, oh, this is fine. And then after starting watching community, I'm like, wait, Gillian Jacobs is like, and like, I don't even remember anything about this movie. It's just like, it was just Has wild. Any of his other stuff, it, it feels weird. Cause it feels like his stuff is Visual, so adaptable. And his first book was made into such a, a cultural phenomenon. I know. Like, how has none of his stuff been made into movies since then? I don't with know. With the exception of Choke, which is also, Choke, by the way, is also maybe the least filmic of all yes. of those because it is so like pornographic. Yeah. Like it's, it's so focused on, and, and like, I, I would watch a, like a, a, a choke movie made by Bruce LaBruce or something like Who's that. that. He's like a gay porn director, oh. but, but he is like a gay porn auteur. Yeah. Right. He's like, uh, he makes like, you know, or like I would watch choke by like Gaspar Noe or mm-hmm. something like that. Like if, if you got someone, but it would have to be made with porno money and it's like you, it's, or, or like that, uh, uh, Abdullah Kellett. Uh, Kiltish, the guy that did Blue is the Warmest Color. Oh yeah, yeah like yeah, these yeah, yeah. guys that make movies that are like that are horny. Yeah, and and like um, you know, sometimes feature penetrative sex and right. like non simulated, and and like you do something like that, and obviously like you have to make sure that which Delic Kiltish is maybe a bad example because he didn't make the sets safe for his actors and stuff. But like if you could make choke with that kind of aesthetic, like a real like like this is a erotic movie we're going we're and, and not like just erotic but like um i don't know embrace the actual spirit of it which you're not you're not going to get that with a movie that opens at amc it's just not going right. to happen and i think i what was sad to me about choke because i had seen fight club by that point and i watched choke and i'm just like and i don't think i i don't think i've ever really articulated until just now but it feels just like any other indie film of the mid-2000s yeah and it loses everything that like makes Chuck Chuck. And I wonder if he just had a bad, I, th- I feel like, and I don't, maybe I'm wishful thinking. I feel like invisible monsters like was like toyed with for a while and never became anything. But it is weird that like he's, cause he's got more than a dozen novels. Mm-hmm. And as far as I know, we're both into like, we would know. Yeah. Nothing. Not even like a TV series. Not like a, yeah, it's wild. He might be one of those like Elmore Leonard guys. You know, like the thing about Elmore Leonard is like he's got like a thousand books, but like all of them are optioned and you can't like. Oh, like, like people are just like sit, like yeah, squatting. Like, on. Like, yeah, no one can get an Elmore Leonard book. And, like, mm. it, it would, you know. Um, so I, I, I would bet that most of his books have been optioned in like a very Stephen King kind of way. The same way that like, you know. It's wild. When a Stephen, Stephen King like signs a contract for a new book and the film rights are already sold, mm-hmm. you know, like it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if or, books are like author later, this module, Laura Lippman prom mom before even prom mom came out, it yeah. was optioned. Right. Yeah, so exactly. it's just, yeah. it doesn't even be like Stephen King. It'd be like another just author who's like very successful at what she mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a, it's a wild. Cause you feel like even they weren't like, it wasn't like Chuck was, or choke was terrible. Just wasn't good. Like, yeah. it's not like it was like such a colossal failure that people were like, Oh, we can't adapt this. I don't know. Also you can make survivor now. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, and actually, like the I I hate it when things are stopped or whatever for taste uh-huh. because it's like the truth is that Survivor was like a function of its time and it would have hit hardest in that era, regardless of nine eleven right. or whatever. Yep. And like you can be sensitive to people who, but but it's like you can still tell flight hijacking stories. Yeah. I, I don't know. I will say if you have not read other books of his, his first five, which I'm not going to get the order right, but Fight Club, Invisible Monsters, Choke, Lullaby, Survivor are all great, I think. 
Um, there's stuff other like I really liked Rant. The mm-hmm. oral history I think was really good. There's other stuff that's like after that I still really like, but those first five are like, and they're also all breezy. Like you can read them all quickly. Yeah, he's never gonna write. I don't think he's ever gonna write like a 700 page book. That's like he's no jest. Yeah, or or uh, like Mark Danieluski or something like mm-hmm. that. Which they're like I I think of him and Mark Danieluski in a very similar way, even though like stylistically they're how so super different. Um. I think those books both came out around the same time, like Fight Club and and House of Leaves, and I think they embraced sort of the same cult audience. Although House of Leaves obviously didn't come into a movie, so it didn't have that wider thing. Right. But I will say I had, when I was in high school and then a little bit after high school, my first couple years of college, like I had a lot of success getting people to read House of Leaves. That's maybe the book that I've had the most success really? getting other people to read. Yeah, because it's a book that I think appeals to people who don't read that often. Like this also. Yeah. Which Although, is, uh, that, that's, that's the, that sounds like damning praise, but I mean it like in a very, no, like, but I, also I think feel it's like, a very high praise. I feel like House of Leaves is, like it's cool. Yeah, exactly. But I also think it's like, you like, you flip through, like this is, this does not look easy. Yeah, yeah. But but, but it's not, I, I don't think House of Leaves is a hard book. It's approachable. But, no. Yeah. Right. It's not like, again, I think we talked about it maybe in the last, maybe we didn't. We've talked about it. We talked about it with, uh, on the Stephen shark, yeah. yeah, shark, a raw shark texts, but like the end notes or the foot, the footnotes there are just so radically different than the end notes in Jasper, sure. whatever. Anyway, anything else you want to talk about? Or should we get read the emails? Let's read the emails. So we have a lottery or email address, lottery at cage club. I mean, we got eggs email. Also, we've given her a shout out on, on past episodes. Egg changed her display name on Gmail to be her married name, but her email address is still her maiden name. What do you want me to say about this? It's probably a, it's, it's, it's a pain in the ass to I change know. your email address. I know. But we have another email at first that we're going to read from Neve Coppersmith, subject fan mail. Fan mail. Dear Lottery Pod, I found your podcast in November 2022. I just got a library card for the first time in years. Library cards are great, man. Fuck yeah. Saved my life, man. Also, if you have a library card, you could probably get access to Canopy, which is actually like a really good streaming service. Like they have a lot of good stuff on there. So if you don't have that, check it out. If you don't have a library card, go get a library card. Yep. Free. Yeah. Don't. It's the best service. And yeah. It's. Go do it. It's honestly. Every time I get a book there, I'm just mm-hmm. like, how does this exist? Yeah. Yeah. It's. It feels Unreal. like a. Unreal. My library it's also, a miracle. My library also lets you check out movies or music or video games. Like they have like yeah. hundreds of video games. It's like, why? What are you doing? Especially in the in 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 an America that increasingly hates shit like that. Yeah. What do you mean? Go, you let me back, borrow it for back, free. Get back to the email. Because I'd recently graduated from college and decided I wanted to start reading regularly for myself again. Hell yeah! I checked out "Death in Our Hands" by Otessa Moshfag oh, because everyone was talking about my year of rest and relaxation. Also great. But that was the only one of her books that wasn't checked out. I found it haunting and sad after finishing it. I wanted to talk about it, but nobody I knew had read it, so I searched on Spotify and I found the first episode of your podcast. I've since read A Touch of Jen, Aesthetica, A Prayer for Owen Meany, The Bell Jar, Eileen, Teenager, The Idiot, and Never Let Me Go. Holy shit. Neve, doing it. I kind of jumped around episodes. I looked at your reading list and picked out the ones I thought would really, I'd the, really the, like. This is the ideal way to listen to the podcast, mm-hmm. I think. And save those apps for until after I'd read the books. I listened to a bunch of the others without reading them. And a few times the conversation you had made me want to read them anyway. All that to say the pod has helped me sustain my goal of reading. This is like, I, this is your, I'm like your dream. Cry. This is the. And Jesus. thinking and analy- this is also like, we talked, we talked a lot on here about like the pace at which we go yeah, yeah. is insane, uh-huh. but don't do that. Yeah. Find episodes. Do exactly what Neve is doing. Mm-hmm. Also, like this is going to be one of our more popular, just because people probably search for this or we've talked about it. It might not be because like there's too many people out there, out there talking about it, whatever. But look at the list because we've done probably close to 75 books now by this point. Like wow. a lot of books, right? Mm-hmm. Find one that you like or that you've been meaning to read or that your friend told you to read and like read it and whatever. Yeah. I, this email is making me so happy. Help me sustain my goal of reading and thinking and analyzing stuff, and it's given me really great <sighs> recommendations. So thank you for that. I recently had to take a class on literature and science fiction for a series of reasons I won't detail here, and I loved it. <laughs> I, I love that there's mystery. Because reading a bunch of books and thinking critically about them was something I was doing all the time already, in part because of your show. Oh, my God. 
Hopefully at some point I'll read some stuff from the reading list along with the pod so I can email in my thoughts after I get through the backlog or I could just start sending my thoughts about books you talked about ages ago. Yeah, yeah do, do that. It, do it. Do it. Do it. I want to know what you think about all these books. I might not remember, but Treads will. Yeah. I was wondering if either of you have read Luster by Raven Lilani. We almost did that. I, I own it. I, I own it and I have. In the last module, right? Unadapted. Yeah, yeah, Is that yeah. becoming adapted, uh-huh. I think? Yeah, I think so. Milk Fed by Melissa Broder. Yes, yes. Big what did fan. she write that I read? Uh, Pisces. Yes, which is great. Or In the Dream House by Carmen Maria Machado. I have not read that one. Those are some of my favorite books I've read recently outside the pod. You've joked about doing a horny-themed module before. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's no joke. It's coming. Which I think you should because it would be funny. And if you do it, you could talk about Milk Fed. I also wanted to ask you why you named it How to Win the Lottery. Okay, that's all for now. Hopefully the episode you read this on isn't for a book I'm saving for later. LOL. Sincerely, Neve. Um. Yeah, the horny module. Let's like like yeah. that's something that we really. Uh, it's not going to be the next module because um, we already have that planned out. Um, but I am always like on the lookout for horny books for sure. Would you do? I think the horniest book that I've read that you didn't tell me to read. Oh, maybe you did. I don't think so. I think it predated that. Tampa. Tampa. Yeah. Where I was like, because I, I remember that was at, when I was going to Planet Fitness before I started walking around myself, <laughs> wearing sweatpants. <laughs> no, wearing basketball shorts. It's different. It's worse. But, but being like reading Tampa on the uh, <laughs> on an exercise bike, and I'm just like, I don't feel like nobody knows what I'm reading, but I'm just like, I'm uncomfortable. This is, yeah, this is like I I I was uh, you know I worked on the beach for like decades, and um, sometimes when I, when I worked like actually on the beach, checking beach badges and stuff. So many people, this was during the Fifty Shades of Grey era, so many people come on the book, come on the beach, like, holding Fifty Shades of Grey. Also come on the book, probably. And they they would just plop down and read Fifty Shades of Grey. And I was just like, I know what's going on in that book. (laughs) Like, how, like, you're, you're just out here in public reading that book? Like, we don't all, like, it's, it's interesting that, like, like, there's something interesting about books being, like, uh, Books that are sometimes pornographic or like, like, I don't know, like pornography is like uh artless, right? I think is the distinction. I'm, I, I'll know I, it when is, I see it. Is yeah, that the quote this, about this, it? I, I'm not really interested in making a distinction between pornography and art, but like, um, like you could not go on a beach with an iPad and start just like watching pornography. Right. But you can you can read Fifty Shades of Grey and it's like and not only is it fine, but you can, you're like walking around advertising that you're reading Fifty Shades of Grey, which is like, as far as I know, almost exclusively meant for titillation. Yep. It's, it's not like there's not like literary value. But to that it's book. it's societally somehow societally acceptable titillation. And yeah, it's like this is the one that we've deemed you can read and be horny about. Right. Because, yeah, I mean, it's not like you could you could walk right on a beach reading Lady Chatterley's Lover or the Pisces or Milk Fed or, uh, you know, any number of, of, uh, horny books and people wouldn't know, but like with Fifty Shades of Grey, everybody knew. Yeah. And people were still walking around with, with that book. I know that those sequels were big too, but like the people, did you ever see people reading the sequels? Cause it feels I don't like I mean, that's not a distinction that I would make. I don't know. But all that all of this is to say is that like we're doing a horny, we're doing th- a horny module. There will be a horny module. Um, would we would we do Tampa? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Uh, uh, maybe Tampa. The horniness in Tampa is difficult because. Yeah, you want to describe what Tampa's about? Uh, Tampa's a book about a uh, sexual predator who is like she's a middle school teacher. Is it middle school? She's. I think it's, it's eighth an eighth grade. It's an eighth grader. Um, and, and, but it's like from her perspective and because she finds really like just barely pubescent men attractive, pubescent boys attractive, like her sexual encounters with those boys is, is described like as erotica because mm-hmm. it, it's from her perspective. So there is this line, like I remember when that book came out, a lot of people were like, this is child pornography. And it's like, well, it's not, but it is like asking you to do a difficult thing with your brain mm-hmm. when, when, when you're reading it, where it's like, this is written in like a, like what I think is meant to be an erotic way. But then like, you're supposed to also like have a sense of revulsion while reading that, which erotic. is a heavy lift as an author. It is. Yeah. And I think, I think Alyssa Nutting, I think she pulls it off really, really well. Um, 
So like whether or not that's a horny book. I mean, I think it's it, worth exploring in that yeah, module yeah, yeah, for yeah, that for reason. Sure, for sure. Um, yeah. But, and there's, there's, you know, uh, we've had this conversation before about how, um, a, a book, uh, like, like horny books are, are really like mostly written by women. Like mm-hmm. horny books that are written by men, or with the exception, are gross. Yeah, yeah, they're they're, they're mostly like really gross. Mm-hmm. Like you read them and you're just like, ooh, <laughs> like that's not, like that's not erotic. That is uh, something else. Um, and I don't know if that's because uh, I don't know. Like that might be like an innate homophobia in me that it's, that it's like I'm I'm like not homophobia, but like you know like. Uh, being in the like fantasy land of a no, it's like this isn't for you. Yeah, the, the like being in the fantasy land of a man is like less titillating than being in the fantasy world of a I woman. I think, I mean, Be- I don't, because I'm a heterosexual male. I mean, this is also something that we should say for the horny module. Yeah, yeah. But I think that there's so much art made by straight dudes that's mm-hmm. just like you have, like, you don't get this. This should be for like, yeah, women. well, right. Also, I think I think maybe like uh, also maybe men frequently don't read those books by women. Right. So, so, so like they don't. Are any, what's the horniest Brett Easton Ellis novel? Uh, Glamorama probably. Glamorama has that like, like maybe like 13 page threesome Mm -hmm. in the shower. Yeah. Do you want to explain? I think we said maybe on the, maybe the very first intro episode where the name came from. uh, No, I don't. I don't want to explain that. Well, Neve asked. <laughs> it's a joke. It's a, well, like well, it, you can interpret the joke how you want, but it's like think of the the Shirley Jackson short story, The Lottery, and then it's, and also it's a Simpsons reference. It's yeah, but it's there's like a dark, a dark mm-hmm. joke to it, mm-hmm. and that's that's just it. Like figure it out yourself. Yeah, and watch the Simpsons episode where Santa's little helper needs surgery, and you'll get. That'll yeah. also help. Got a new dog, one with an untwistable stomach. That's the episode, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have an email from Egg, not reading. Her thank you, new thank name. you, thank, thank you so Eve. much for, for nice emailing email. Eve. They really, you like, uh, sort of completed the mission statement for me of this entire podcast, which is to like, I don't know, hopefully, just like help some people think more critically about the literature that they're reading. Well, I think what Neve said, and I think. I'm not, I'm not kidding that that made my like i'm gonna be walking good. on air for a week because of that email what i think so we've talked in a way that i know zero of my friends uh-huh. listen to this podcast yeah, yeah because other than you i think zero of my friends read books and you have shame, shame, you, you have a handful shame. of friends who like talk to you about episodes but like yeah, they're yeah. also uh-huh. readers and egg is your like i'm egg's now yeah, yeah. sort of my friend Aren't we friends, Egg? I like to think so. <laughs> You're in that liminal space where it's awkward. To I don't say, want to say I don't that want Egg to be like, we're not friends. <laughs> um, but like Egg's your friend and like you, you yeah, know, you've been sure. telling her whatever. But me saying that they didn't have anybody who'd read those books means that they have people in their lives who do read. And I'm just like, that seems pretty cool. But also have them listen to the pod too. You're officially a member of the 30K Strong. They yeah. can be too. We love you, Neve. Also cool name. That's... Me put in the in the signature, pr- pr- uh, pronouncing the guy from Catfish, not like Nev Campbell. Oh, it's spelled like N E V E. Neve, Nev Campbell, Sydney Prescott. Uh, sure, yeah, Neve, cool name. All right, Egg. Egg's Eggster. reaction to Fight Club. Short email incoming because Shreds didn't confirm you guys were recording oh, tonight. Oh, whatever. Get- I texted you six hours ago. Like, Does Egg know you? Like, yep. Whatever. This is the second time I've read Fight Club. Catch up. I'm at three, baby. That was gross. I'm going to cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Because <laughs> you're, saying, you're saying it like Al Pacino in Heat. <laughs> baby. Different movie, but I got my hand up the Mona Lisa skirt. <laughs> well, that was okay. Now you've made it gross. That's read, devil's read, advocate. Read the email. It's funny, Egg writes, because there's a quote from this novel. I'm, just, I'm glad this happened in Egg's email, not Neve's email. Because there's a quote from this novel that I quoted all the time in high school and completely forgot it was from Fight Club. On a long enough timeline, everyone's survival rate goes to zero. Uh-huh. I watched the movie before <laughs> I read... quoted that all the time in high school. <laughs> <laughs> this is very dark. 
I watched the movie before I read the book, but I definitely, do you think she means like this time or like originally? I think originally. But I definitely think the ending of the book is way better, what you said before, and mm-hmm. more interesting than what I remember the movie being. I feel like it ends on a realer note and more sinister, though I will say buildings collapsing. Where is my mind playing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. an all time great Not ending. bad. Not bad at all. Lastly, Egg writes, I feel like the problem with rereading this is the twist is not subtle once you know. It kind of distracted me as I went along. I like that. I think it's, it's all over the place, though. It is It is like you are getting beaten over the head with a baseball bat of a twist for the entire novel. All in all, Egg says, a nice palate cleanser after Infinite Jest. Yeah, I agree. Yep. So the next two books, this module, this the short state module, you have not read. I have not read. We don't right. know any, really anything about it. don't know anything about them. Which is exciting. Yeah, I'm excited for more Delaware facts. Ooh, I have seven more. Do you want one more? Uh, sure. Close it with one. State dessert? Yeah. You want to guess? Apple pie. Peach pie. Peach pie. Yeah, okay. Keep reading. Yeah. Uh, today's crime Thank is... you, Neve. What? So thank you, Neve. Okay. Um, hmm. Oh, God. This book is filled with crimes. I know. I know. I don't just want to repeat a crime from the book, though. Um, and I don't want to. I, I, I'm in. The, I'm in a place where I started repeating crimes. Yeah. That, I've, that I've already said. You didn't realize you were repeating them because I have the same crimes in my head all the time. Uh-huh. Oh, uh huh. Oh, today's crime is is uh, uh, racketeering. Ooh. 